Welcome to the KLE Podcast with your host, Sean Smith. Encouraging and equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset to inspire, to influence, and to impact your culture where you are every single day. And now for today's episode. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact is, uh, Steve, you know, I, I, I thought about, especially coming into and looking at what's going on around us and, and looking at the, you know, the simple fact that we're celebrating Father's Day, you know, and um, on Sunday. And I began to look at this and, and just say, you know what, in fact, and that's what I said in my audio clip yesterday, is that um, we were sitting around breakfast table on Sunday and um are we recording yes we're recording yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just kicking in because we're just talking so um might as well <laughs> yeah we might as well just run with the day welcome if you are joining us right now thank you for hopping on with steve and i good morning steve <laughs> but we said good morning we're already talking obviously so um, so great to have you with us but yeah so we were having breakfast together as a family um and and uh, Jonathan made a big Father's Day breakfast for us, and and so we were just sitting around eating, and we got to talking about what's going on, and and you know just the various uh, things and that. And so I can't remember exactly what uh, my youngest son Jesse said, but um, Jonathan said he said, well, the thing about it is is that you won't know what it's like to think racialistically because. Um, your parents, mom and dad, never raised us like that. You know, it's right. like they they never taught us, so we don't even think like that at all. And I, I thought that was like, uh, you know, that that was great to me in my heart because I thought is that what I set out to achieve. Not I didn't even set out to achieve it. It's just something that is part of who I am. Um, actually, got passed on, you know, and they and he recognizes it. So. And, and I thought, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, how true it is, is that the systemic problem is not to try and change governments and systems, because it's still people. People are, are the ones that create the problem. <laughs> so we can, you know, we can reform a system and we can change a government, but it doesn't change, it's still people. And the element of that nature within man is still there. So... The people that create, you know, because somebody becomes a politician or heads up an institution doesn't make them less human than anybody else. I right. mean, they're still part of the problem because they are human. And that's the thing that we, but if we go right down to the home situation with our dads, that's where the problem is. You know, it's like if dads are not infusing the right norms and values and beliefs and and principles into the home not because he teaches it but because he lives it right that's where your problem begins because now there's intolerance to cultures and i mean i've you know as a family we've lived in three cultures uh and and so we've had to adapt each time to the culture to the values to the norms to the beliefs to the to the way they talk, the way they are, you know, we've had to adapt. And so I, I sort of coached my family through each culture on how to live those cultures. And and South Africa is a complex culture. It's a very complex culture, you know. Oh, yeah. And and so um, but I taught I taught my children from early already is that because you go to the store and you see the guys, you know, they get arrogant about the the, the person that's taking their money, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's like, who do you think you are? And talk to me like that. And they get this, like, attitude about it. And and, uh, and especially because then it becomes, a, you know, a culture issue. I, you know, it's just like and you from. And oftentimes what one culture thinks and, 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 and behaves the way they behave is different to your culture. And therefore, now you begin to... Um, put that cult, that cultural kind of person into a stereotypical mindset that you have of them because it differs from you. And, right. and, uh, and so I told my kids, when you arrive at the, 
at the till. You know, when you go to the till at the, in the store, they're in charge because they're taking your money. <laughs> you know, right. is is like they are they are um, an authority in that sense because you're buying their goods. So be respectful, be considerate. Doesn't matter who they right. are, be respectful. Yeah, even though you have the gun and the mask. Yes. The <laughs> yeah, no, not that one. <laughs> yeah, not that one. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> oh, me, yeah, no, some guys think they've got a gun that they're in charge of everything, you know? It's just like, yeah, no. Yeah, so, you know, that was, that was like the, so it, basically, I, it comes back down to right back to the home. What are their dads doing within the home? Right, right. It was, it was interesting because uh, like we were talking about earlier, back in the uh, late 90s, uh, early 2000s, there was, a, there was a whole mess of like Time Magazine came out with a fatherless generation right on the cover. I mean, uh, Psychology Today, the same thing. Uh, there was all sorts of magazines at that point talking about this generation and what are we going to do because either the father is not non-existent or he's uh, absent in heart. You know, he's just in not there. No. Yes. Yeah. Not present. He just, he, you know, he goes to work, comes home. He's just not present. Yes. And um, they said, what is this going to do to a whole generation of, of kids that um, don't really have that guidance, that direction? Uh, because of what they were saying at that point was it's the fathers that are the ones that instill purpose, they instill direction, and they instill the, um, um, what is it, a propensity to have control. Yeah. You know, self-discipline. Yeah. 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 Discipline. Yeah. And, and it's the self-discipline. It's, it's because you're watching how this, this person, like you said, it's not necessarily that I beat the tar out of you. It's that there's a certain standard as you watch, you see, oh, that's how he behaves. That's how a male behaves. That's what they're supposed to be doing. So, uh, and it's not so much that you're taught that or somebody sits down with you and teaches you the 17 principles on how to be a man. It's that you've watched that. You've seen how that works. You, you watch what a man is. You watch what a father is and, and, by that, then you begin to uh, work with that. Um, there was a um, there was an article that came out in the late 1980s, and you were well, you were young. You were a young man then. <laughs> I was indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the 1980s, there was a. Um, in fact, it was 1983. They opened up a whole new um, uh, like a wildlife refuge in South Africa up by Botswana and uh, they'd taken a lot of of animals and stuff like that to fill it it was called the uh, Genesis project and it was thousands and thousands of acres because they wanted this brand new thing a lot of the other parks and stuff like that were kind of getting overrun with animals and uh, so their habit was with just to cull or to kill a bunch of the animals uh, so they would kill a lot of the older adults. Well, they, uh, in order to populate this brand new refuge, they took a bunch of elephants, uh, just young, young elephants. Well, they began to notice uh, after a couple of years that um, there was a bunch of the white rhinos, which are endangered species, uh, showing up dead. And they couldn't figure out why. They thought it might have been poachers and stuff. So they set up kind of a sting operation with cameras and everything. Well, it happened that there were 10 of these young males, now 15 to 18 years old, that, that had been transplanted. And they were not only killing these rhinos with their tusks and stuff, but they were also killing people as they came through the parks and everything else because they were just, they had no sense of sense of self-control or discipline and uh, they begin to wonder why you know what had happened and uh, by that time then they had somebody that or they had developed a, an ability to be able to move the larger elephants because you can figure a young elephant is what five tons you know ten thousand pounds that's a big <laughs> that's a big elephant so anyway uh, they brought in some older elephants 
especially some older males. Well, <laughs> this one older male, he was a big boy, and uh, the one of the younger males came up to challenge him, and uh, you know, one of these little brats, <laughs> and with one swipe of his head, he hit the he hit the younger elephant in the stomach, and knocked him a good ten feet in the air. And he landed, you know, about 10, 12 feet away. And from that point on, they never had another problem with those young elephants <laughs> because they all begin to respect and honor the, the older elephant. And they watched how he behaved. And then they learned how to adapt into their society. Yeah. And I thought, isn't that interesting? You just introduce an older, uh, mature uh person or elephant or whatever into the mix and they automatically then begin to follow that lead uh, because in that particular society in the elephant society apparently they kind of idolize the older the aged and so they begin to just watch this guy and they learned how to how to behave and now they since that point they never had another problem with them and um course that which is first is natural uh, after that that which is spiritual you think about that in the spiritual realm a lot of the problem we have right now with a lot of the young guys or a lot of the people that are out there doing things ministerially uh, they've never had that fathering they've never had somebody that was there there I'm not talking about somebody that they watched on tape or some they didn't have somebody there to actually walk them through watch over the word in their life, make sure they were living up to that, and then have an, be an example to them, just like Paul was to Timothy. Um, you know, th this is my, you know, uh, fo follow him basically as you would me, because I've imparted to no other like I have unto him. You know, so he has the same spirit. He has the same heart I do. So go ahead and treat him just like you would me. And I'm thinking we've lost that in this whole generation I'm not talking about taking the place of their father I'm just talking about that example as a as a more mature uh, older gentleman uh, older in the Lord even uh, you know to show them to give them that example and live that out before them yeah you know I was um, when, when we were in England um, we were there for eight years and the one day I was walking through the mall and uh, a lot of the kids are very unruly. They, their parents are very young, often in England, very young. The, the girls had babies at a very young age. And um, so, and because <clears throat> like something in England, something like 70% um, of, um, of uh, kids grow up in a single parent home. Um, really? Woo, that's high without without dads you know holy mackerel so um it, it's it's a very very bad situation so anyway i was walking through the mall and i i saw this little kid i mean a toddler two years old you know maybe two years old and just attacking its mother you know and just screaming and shouting and hitting its mother and you know and um and of course, you know, in my home, that would never have been tolerated. Um, so I looked at this as I walked past and, and the mom is trying to negotiate with the child, you know. Right, right. I yeah. trying to negotiate and, and uh, you know, um, have this discussion to, conversation to discuss. And the child is just like freaking out and hitting the mother and stuff. And the Lord spoke to my heart there and said, as I walked away, the Lord said, a child without boundaries is an adult without self-discipline. Right. And I thought, you know, how true that is, is that because growing up, you learn through values, you learn through principles, you learn through, uh, through boundaries that, that a, a, a mom and a dad set in a child's life. The child learns right. double. Right. By so you first got to teach them government, you know, you got to teach them boundaries and say, No, you what you know, if you cross that line, you're going to suffer consequences. And the thing about it is, what we don't realize is that when, when we don't teach boundaries at home, 
if a father doesn't set boundaries, then the child goes to school and school sets boundaries. If they don't live within those boundaries, then they basically begin to live the, the boundaries of, of um, a very free and easy society. Right. And, and then if they don't abide within those boundaries, they don't fit into society, they end up in prison. Right. And, and, and of course, the, 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 the furthest or extreme of that is you have to be taken out, which is capital punishment, because now you don't, you violate everybody's boundaries. In fact, you violate right. other people's life. You know, you've got right. no boundary to, to people's lives. And so that's right. like the extreme level of that. And so if we don't, if we don't learn government within in the home, and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how people in their new age kind of mentality want to view it, but um, God told Abraham and said, you know, you will see the blessing and the promise because you have commanded your household. And the word command right. there is not like I'm the Lord. It's that as a as a father he could set the boundaries and the government within his home and and because we've spoken about this before is like an elder that cannot govern his own home how can he govern the people of god you know and right. and so now that's not by condemnation or by any kind of measure but if a father is not present now you know it's like okay if you've got a child that that becomes rebellious and does doesn't that doesn't disqualify you from anything but um but a father that's not present a father that doesn't run his right. household or govern his household or set boundaries within his household um how does he do that in the household of god you know he because leaders are supposed to be fathers into the household now we come to something else is like um if we're not fathering this generation if we're not fathering the household of God as leaders, then, you know, where do they get the example? You know, my post today is going to be represent, you know, what fathers represent, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, for me, you know, I, I just looked at this thing and, and uh, you know, it became like the field of the fatherless, you know, is like where, um, just one, one more story is when I came to America back in, 2007 2007 we were jacksonville florida and it, it was a disastrous kind of situation we had arrived and nothing they promised was here and all the rest of it so we were all alone stuck in the middle of a country trying to figure out what to do you know and right you know and you know the american ministry scene is very hard to break into you know it's just like this, everybody's insecure and all the rest of it so it was like really tough. Anyway, so I'm sitting at home and I turned on the radio for some reason. I turned on the radio and Ron Luce um, of uh, BattleWarriors.com or something. I don't know. He, worked, he, he used to. I don't know where he is now, but he used to work with young people. And he was speaking at a conference and he was saying on the radio, he was speaking at the conference and he was saying, is that where, uh, if we don't do something and father this generation now, we're going in the next five years. We've got, he says, we've got five years. And that was 10 years, 11 years ago. And he said, we've got wow. five years to gain, to win this generation. If we don't, we will lose them and we will suffer the consequences as a nation. And I think we are right now are seeing right. the result of there was, there's been an infusion of other agendas, other things into this generation. We've tried to, give them religion they don't want religion no you know and and so now is like they they can the generation is they actually believe this stuff you know and, right and right so because not not because of our perspective or our worldview but because we haven't brought the kingdom of god to people's lives by being real dads you know right well it's even like with the case of those elephants um it said that they all were coming into uh, I think they called it must, M-U-S-T-H. Must, must. Well, they were calling M-U-S-T-H. Uh, in the in the article I'd read, I mean, I know it's musk or rut or whatever, you know. But anyway, normally they're staggered in nature, to where, you know, none of them come in at the same time. Otherwise, 
you know, they would have a tendency to fight each other all the time. Well, all 10 of these came, were in it at the same time at the peak of it and 10 years before it normally happens. Hmm. They said normally it happens, hits at height at around 28. These were like 13, you know, 15, 18. So, I mean, this was hitting them 10 years before and all of them at the same time. So what they were doing was they were so full of testosterone. They were so full of that, uh, whatever it is that elephants have, that they were just acting what was right in their own eyes, whatever it was, because they were driven by their desires. They were driven by their own purpose. Uh, they didn't have anything that had been instilled in them as far as any boundaries or anything else. If you don't have boundaries, if you've not been given boundaries, uh, what are you going to do? What are, it says if the foundations even be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Right. If I go back in and destroy all the foundations that we've ever had, what are my children going to do? They have nothing to come back to and hang on to and uh, to be able to guide them in life. You know, there's nothing they can hang on to. It's like the anchor has been removed and they're just adrift with every wind of doctrine, everything that comes along, every idea that comes along that seems right to them uh, in their own eyes because there's so much in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing right now is a lot of these are in the heat, <laughs> you know, in the heat of the moment. They're driven by something that's, that's not even real. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that's, and now it's my own agenda. Yeah, well, I'll attach to this one for a while. But when there's another one better comes up, I'm going to attach myself to that. Right. Because I have no identity. Yeah. I have no place of who I am. Yeah, exactly. And I have no security in, in that fact that this is who I am. This is where I'm going. This is what my purpose in life is. Yes. So that's what the most important thing I can see right now is, is somehow... And, and you can't force this upon anybody. It's just to be there and be present. Well, th that's, that's the thing, you know, is that, I mean, for me, I used to take my, from young, I took my sons on a date, you know, every, every other week, um, all three of them. So at various times I took them on dates and, you know, it would be as elaborate as going to a restaurant and having a burger and, you know, or as simple as going to sit at the beach with a with a milkshake and a and a packet of chips, you know, crisps. Uh, it you know McDonald's milkshake and some crisps, you know. And at times we would just buy in South Africa. You get hot chips, you know, like fries, but it's it's not fries. It's hot chips, so it's uh, hot with salt and, and vinegar, and it's uh, it's Ooh. like uh, floppy and it's you know really yeah, it's delicious. I mean, it's a real English kind of thing. Although in England, you don't get much of it anymore. But South Africa, it's still a thing, you know. So we would go and sit with, even in winter, we'd sit in the car, all three boys and, and myself, and have a big packet of chips, share chips, and just talk, you know. <laughs> and if you don't, you know, and then, of course, we, we started doing camping, you know. After I came to, right. came right. to Arkansas in, in 99, you know, my dad never did that with me, never, ever took me camping, never took me, you know, I'd never done that. And it, that trip down the Buffalo River with you guys had such a profound impact on my life that, um, that you know, um, outside of everything else that was going on, um, uh, the relational issues that was happening, I, you know. The, Plus your back was terrible during that time. Sorry, the Your back, you were having oh, yeah, a no, I mean, I, I struggled. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I still do, but. I just had tremendous, you know, backache and stuff like that. And then I got the flu uh, on yeah. the river. And, and of course, we were walking like two-thirds of the way because the river was yeah. so dry. We didn't have much Then room. initially, they gave you a tent that was too small, so your yeah. feet were sticking out one end and your head well, was out the other. That's why, I got, that's why I got the virus, because my feet were freezing wet cold, you know. Anyway, and you, you were so helpful. You gave me your kayak <laughs> and you gave me your tent and... And your sleeping bag as well, because the sleeping bag only came to this height. Oh, that's right. I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. The bag was too small. So in fact, I think that, you used my kayak, too. I used the kayak because you had the seat in, which gave more back support. That's right. That's right. So that was, oh, um, that was a, a blessing. You know, you were, you were um, well, <laughs> already 
uh, you were good to me. So, um, but the, yeah, thing, yeah. the trip itself had such a profound effect because I just like, I've never done this. I, my dad never did this. And it, it's like, what did I miss? I was I turned 40 years old then. And, and it's like, what did I miss in my life? It's like, right. I've missed something in my life. So, um, I, uh, I went back and I instituted, you know, that within the context of our fellowship at that point in time with, with the leaders and the elders and, and my own kids, you know, I said to the, the leaders, I said, listen, man, I, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I'm taking my kids camping. And they said, well, we all coming with you, you know? So, yeah. Um, but then it, it had tremendous impact in spending time with my children, laying in a tent at night, talking about stuff and, and, you know, kayaking down a river together and just talking and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we, 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 we miss that part of, of being present in their lives. It's not teaching. It's just right. being right. there and keeping that communication open. And of course, when I got here now, I, I was invited to speak to some ministers, you know, a, a, like a minister's meeting and everybody's sitting there. There's like all these old guys, you know. So they said, "Do you have anything to say?" I said, "I sure do," you know. And they said, "What is that?" And I said, "Well, you know, tonight all I've heard about is revival, praying for revival, praying for." I said, "What does that look like?" You know, what do you think that looks like? Right, right. You know what you what I know you thinking is you thinking some new super anointed super spiritual guy comes in, holds a meeting. And, and like massive things happen, signs and wonders, and all your churches are full and nothing changes really because right. it's more of the same. It's just like more intense, more elevated, more noise, more music, more whatever. So what does it look like? What does revival look like? More people running to the front? I don't know. What does it look like? And I said, well, the simple fact of the matter is, is that that's not God's idea of revival. God's idea of revival is that you guys raise sons, raise the next generation. Right. And if you don't, then you're going to be held accountable for the next generation. Right. And, and, and in Psalm 78 is something incredible. Um, I haven't got that it. made right. you popular, I bet. So, oh, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, I was invited to one church and I got up and preached exactly the same message. I said, you need to get out of your pulpits and start going to people in your neighborhood. Go to your grandchildren. And, and go to your children and go to the neighbor's children and the, the children who don't have dads and be a dad. I'm not talking about preaching. Take them to coffee. You know how many people I've spoken to over the years in different parts of the world and said, you know, they go, I don't have a ministry. I said, you can take somebody to breakfast. You can take somebody to coffee. You can take them for a, a, a soda. And just spend time with them and ask them about their life. Don't tell them about your great revelation and what right. prophet you are and, and your super bishop apostolic prophetic teaching right. ministry and your great church. Just be a dad by sitting there and saying, how are you? How's your life? How, you know, what's happening? You know, and sometimes they talk, sometimes they don't. I cannot tell you the amount of times I sat with my children and they sat there and go, Dad, we're actually bored. I said, that's fine. Let's <laughs> bored together. Eat your chips. You know, it's just like um, drink your, you know. But the thing about it was, was when they were struggling, guess who they call? Right. You know, not then, but now. You know, when they right. need to talk, who do they talk to? They talk to now. It's like when Jesse was diagnosed with cancer and he had to go through that whole process. Who was there? Who was, who was the person that he walked with me, you know? And so, you know, who's calling you? You see, we, that's the thing, Steve, is people are looking like, where's my ministry? You know, where's my ministry? It's like, who are you walking with? Who are you present with? And, right. and of course, my challenge to those ministers, when I say, you're all the old guys sitting here in this meeting, where, where are the young men? I say, right. you shouldn't be running the meeting. You should be sitting on the back row and the young men should be running it being involved in the meeting and you should be there on your rocking chairs at the back guiding this thing. And I said, but you know what? Yeah, you all are. You think you're retired, you know, and that's it. You give up on this generation. Yeah. So they didn't invite me back, but that's fine. You know, it's just, um, <laughs> at least you got it in there. Huh? I got, you know, the, and, and Steve, you know, a year later, we, I'm seeing exactly what I was telling them is going to happen. I told them right. this is going to happen. I told them that this generation is going to rise up and they're going to gravitate to something else, 
not to their religion and to their, you know, idea of turn 18, become a member, tithe, and, and, you know, sing songs with us and sit in the pew. Not, they're not interested. This generation, not interested. And they yeah. want to, they want to see change. They want to see, and we're not, we're not giving it to them. And I'm not talking about change in being, you know, one guy said to me, I sat with some people and I said, well, if we don't become relevant, they said, well, I'm not prepared to put on lights in my church and, you know, and at disco lights and, Jeez, I said, you know what, your, your mentality, because he doesn't talk to me either anymore, but I said, your mentality is so old and so Jurassic. I said, you're missing the point. I'm not talking about becoming like, I'm talking about engaging this generation. As a dad, I engage my children. If I don't, if I don't become present, I lose them. And yeah, it says counsel is bound up in the heart of man but a man of understanding will draw it from them. Exactly. And that's where, like you said, to sit down with somebody and just begin to ask what, draw stuff out of them. Yeah. Find out what's in there. Yes. Help that well. Uh, it says that uh, in Song of Solomon, it says, my sister, my bride, my spouse is a fountain shut up in a garden enclosed. Yeah. And what, if it's a fountain shut up, then it's our job to get that fountain flowing again. It's right. not by pouring more junk in, it's by drawing it out. That's it's right. a well, absolutely. you gotta draw it out. Yeah, absolutely. And so to come around somebody and just continue to pour it in, my job really is to draw it out of them so they can see, oh, I do have a well in there. Yeah. Oh, I do have something from, oh, I am hearing from God. Exactly. Yeah, you are, you exactly. have been all along. It's just yeah. that, it's just that, the enemy has come in now and told you you're not hearing anything, but you actually are. Uh, I had a, I've been fortunate enough to, my dad was not only a born again uh, believer, but I also had, um, when I first started in quote ministry, uh, I had been kicked out of a denomination um, because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the 80s which seemed to be the thing to do, you know, you'd get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you get kicked out. Um, but uh, I ran into this other guy who was at that time, he was in his late seventies and uh, he just began to spend time with me. Like you said, you know, he just, he would invite me over. He'd come over. He would, uh, and he happened to be a guy who started a major movement in Malawi. Uh, and the thing that he had was called Emmanuel Fellowship, but it started uh, pockets of training uh, pastors or young men uh, how, to, how to do the work of the Lord, actually, in, in Malawi. And so he was to the point where he wanted to get over there and do more work with them. And so he actually left me in charge of a couple places where he had begun to do some work or some Bible studies. And so out of that then grew a church because uh, uh, as I was sent to do it, I didn't know how to build anything else. So I built this church. And, um, but I noticed that that relationship was more important to me than the, than the government, than the instruction. I noticed that he would say, I would say, well, what should I do about this? And he'd, and he'd say, well, what does your father think about that? I go, well, I, you know, I'm asking you. And he says, no, what does your heavenly father believe about that? What does he think about that? So all the stuff that I'm doing now stems back to that time of working with him when he would say, well, what does your heavenly father believe about that? You know, what does he really think? Uh, because if I hadn't had that in my life, I would have been like one of those rogue elephants just running out and starting my own ministry. And I would have run, I would have run over everybody. Yeah. Because I just believed that I was the man of power for the hour. And, and there were signs and wonders. There were all those things happening. I mean, the dead were raised, the blind saw, uh, the lame walked. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. I thought, man, I'm living the book of Acts. I'm all that and the bag of crisps you know, or chips. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm here, partake of me for I am good. You shall see that I am good. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he would bring me aside sometimes and he would bring me back to earth. And um, what does your father think about that? You know, and uh, but he was he was like a Paul would be to a Timothy. He walked 
with me. It wasn't like he was, like you said, trying to lord it over me or trying to say, here, you bonehead, you don't know what in the world you're doing. You know, I'm going to show you how to do this right. He would very, he would very gently point me to my master. Before a man's own master, he stands or falls. So he would point me to my master. He would point me to my father. He would, he didn't take the place of the father. He would point me to the father. And uh, if I didn't know the answer, then he would help me find that as far as what my father believed about it. And it, it gave me a whole different perspective, even on this, uh, quote, fatherhood um, movement that we have, uh, because I knew that it wasn't somebody who took the place of a father or who was a father, but they, they were fathering me but they would always point me to my father. To the heavenly father, yeah. Yeah, to my heavenly father. Mm -hmm. uh, because they didn't, they, they didn't want to touch that place. Yeah. And I don't think it was such a mental game for them, you know, or for him, that he was trying to think, well, I can't it's touch. You know. yeah. yeah, it was just natural of who he did and how he, how he worked that. Because you're not my, you're not my son. You know, even though I'm going to treat you that way, you're somebody else's son and I'm going to raise you up. So, you know, him. That's right. And it was very important to me to know that. And, and it gave me those boundaries. It gave me that, um, it gave me that sense of liberty, but it also gave me a sense of how far that liberty goes, where, where are the boundaries where, and that's the boundaries in the kingdom, not, not the boundaries of thou shalt not in the Well, he did. He says, there's three rules in ministry. Number one, never be alone with a woman. Number two, never be alone with a woman. Number three, never forget the first two rules. Right. So, I mean, that was, that, was his, that was his big deal that he just drove. I mean, it just drove that into me over and over and over again. But that's an important aspect, especially was with what was to come. Uh, you know, a few years later, it seemed like everybody was being pulled down by some sort of a, a thing like that to where they were falling into that sort of, of um, disreputation now because of being found in a compromising situation. Right. So anyway, I just, there's so much, there's so much more to this. It's almost like we're just now scratching the surface. So I guess my thing is how do we, not just you and I, but anybody else who happens to be listening, what do we do from here then? You know, because maybe we have done it wrong or, you know, people are thinking, well, man, I haven't done that. You know, what do I do now? So what do we do from here? And I guess you started to go to a thing in Psalms, a scripture in Psalms, but I don't know what that was because I interrupted you. Yeah, but, so... This this became like, in fact, I wrote a book about it, which sort of got published, but didn't get distributed very widely. But it was called Where Are the Fathers? And, huh. and, uh, and it was based upon this, this premise. It's talking about Jesus in Psalm 78. And he says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. In other words, the established not the establishment, but the established values and beliefs. Right, right. It says um, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. So that, that's mm. important. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel. And of course, that's talking about governments right then statutes and laws, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot 
what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. Because, so even though they were warriors and doing spiritual warfare and all the rest of it, they were not invested, had not been, had not had this investment into their lives. And so they turned back and forgot the covenant and, and, uh, and feigned or failed or, or wilted away, uh, you know, whatever in the day that, um, that was, that they needed, you know, they turned back on the day of battle. And that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing a generation turning back in the face of the battle. You know, nobody's standing up and saying anything. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an immigrant in America, and I'm going, where are the Americans? Where is anybody right. saying anything? I don't, I, you know, no media, no nothing. I, I think there's one or two guys that I can hear on, but they're not mainstream. They're just outside of mainstream that I'm hearing who are sort of, you know, news kind of people. I'm going to go, where's the, where's the fathers? Where aren't the fathers standing up and saying, no more? We, you know, is like, and I'm not talking about going to war. I'm just talking about bringing a, a governmental level back into the generation. So where you, you ask, where do we go from here? I mean, what do we do right now? And it's, I still go, all right. So somebody says, well, I'm not a politician. I'm not a leader, but you can be a dad. I don't right. care how old you right. are and I don't care how young you are. You know, it's like... It, we can turn the tide if we begin to influence the next generation. We cannot, right. we cannot influence what, let me back up. We can't impact and change what we don't influence. And, and we can't influence what we don't engage. Right. The thing is, is that what we're trying to do is bring people to our church meetings. You know, we're trying to bring them to our Sunday school, to our youth program, to our church to come listen to our pastor. You know, as wonderful as all that is, it doesn't change a generation, not like this. And right. what we've got to do is it's going to take you and me to get out there and say, well, you know, I'm in this country. I don't, I, I've got no transport. I'm in a little country, rural town, and I, I don't have a church and I don't have, but I've got three people, three young people that I've spent the past year and a half, two years with. And, and we, we don't meet all the time, but we meet fairly regularly. We have breakfast together. We'll have an evening together, et cetera, when there's no stuff, stay-at-home stuff. Um, and we spend an hour and a half just talking, just talking and saying, how are you? Let me know. They send me a little message every now and again. Hey, how's it going? Whatever the story is. And they're involved in what I'm sharing and, and stuff online. And I've just got three people, but I've got... A few people around the world that are seeking more, that are pressing into more. You know, they're not just saying, hello, how are you? They're going, hey, um, what, do, what do I do in this? Well, how do I handle that? I want to learn about this. I want to learn about that. And so they're growing. They want to know more all around the world. And I'm going, if I just can have 12, 12 people around the world that I can impart to, for an, to be another generation who will find 12, who will find 12, we right. can change the world, you know, it's just like, but where do you start? You start right where you are. You, you, right. you know, not, not waiting for some ministry and some prophetic word and stuff, you know, I, I'm, just get off your butt and do something. <laughs> That's really it. You know, it's just like, do something. Don't, don't sit right. around waiting for a, an apostolic bishop, you know, pronouncement or whatever ordination. You don't need it. Is this right. go into the, all the world and mentor somebody? That's all I can say, you know. And and then of course we got you know. Well, there's a difference between mentoring and you know being a father. Now shut up! It's there's no difference. <laughs> no difference. You know, it's just like I, I get so sick and tired of all these religious little things to try and suit us. And get off your butt and do something with somebody where you are today. Be present. What you were saying is be present. Connect with them. And you know what, Steve, what I, what I learned way back when my kids were teenagers is that you cannot influence until, you, until you're prepared to be influenced. Right. You cannot be heard until you are prepared to hear. And just right. what you were saying is like, draw out of them. You know, it's like at, when my kids turned, when my sons, our sons turned 10 years old, between 10 and 13, I began to shift the thing. I didn't discipline them anymore. With the, I didn't spank them anymore. It was now about their responsibility and consequences. 
about about their initiative and about the the results of their initiatives and and you know it's like if yes if you do it there's going to be either results or consequences which which one do you want and and so i would hold them responsible to to the actions to their to their decisions to their um teaching them values teaching them self-government because i know that woe to the land when the king is a child right woe to the land when, when the king is a child and yes. you know, we've got We've got, you, I mean, you look at politicians today sitting in our Congress, act like children. Right. They've got no maturity whatsoever, no stability, no sense of responsibility. They're kids. And, you know, you know yes, they're grandmothers and whatever, but they're still kids. They act like children. Right. And they go, woe to your land. Is the curse upon your land when, you're, when you're, your governing leaders are children and woe to the home? When, when right. they're your children, when, when our societies, et cetera, are children. And I knew that. I said, I've got to teach my children how to live. You know what? They choose. They're accountable to God. They choose their life. They choose their direction. They choose what they believe and don't believe. I mean, I can influence it, but I can't control it. But what I can right. do is I can invest in them so that when, when they are in a, at a party or with friends or living their life or wherever they are in the world, and I'm not there, and their mother's not there, are they going to be children and just go with whatever goes, or are they going to be upright people that stand for what they believe in? Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. yeah. So that's my answer to your question. Sorry. <laughs> that's quite all right. I asked. <laughs> but you see, you see in this society right now, you see this whole thing coming up. In fact, even my generation did this a lot. Um, the children basically ruled the house because we were told not to discipline. We were told not to do this. You're told not to do this because you're going to squash the, the child's personality. You're going to do this, this, and this to them. And there became a whole psychology on, on basically taking the masculine, the masculinity or that direction of a male figure out of the home. Yeah. Uh, that's what it was designed to do. Yeah. That whole mentality or that whole spirit of that yeah. was designed to take that masculine figure or that direction and purpose out of the home. Yeah. And that, that takes that significant or that significance uh, and purpose out of that home. Um, and so uh, uh, the, uh, the child not only ruled, but the woman's, um, the woman's uh, ideas and her goals and her um, what she thought about the thing superseded uh, began to supersede what the man thought because basically through everything that we got the Simpsons the uh, every single every single show on TV was the male is a, an idiot the woman's actually the one that knows what she's doing. And she's the one that has the common sense and is able to rule well, even though she may do it behind the scenes. Uh, you know, he's the figurehead. He's seen as the one who possibly is the one who's in charge, but he's really not. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a sad depiction of what our society became um, because it took, that, it took that role of a masculine uh, figure, uh, the male, the father, out of the home. Yeah. It took it out of the home, not just not just the guy was absent, but the mentality of the whole thing took him out of the home, yeah. took him out of his place. And uh, I'm not saying we have to fight to get that back. It's just once again, show up and be present. Yeah, be. Up, yeah just be. Do your part. Do who you are and uh, don't be intimidated by it. Um, I know that they began a thing here a while back. In fact, there's even college courses on toxic masculinity. And uh, it's just trying to put that further down the hole so that basically anybody can do. I mean, if you took that, that main elephant out of that herd, uh, the, those kids did whatever they wanted. And that's basically what it is. We want a free-for-all. We want to do whatever we want. But they don't realize that there's a spirit behind the whole thing pulling these strings. And they're saying, if we can get this into anarchy, if we can get this into you believing that you're doing whatever you want, 
then we can control you. Well, that, that's the thing is what, you know, there's always, and that's what I was saying to my kids on Sunday is like, well, we, regardless of the issues that, that, that is being pronounced, there is forces behind this using whatever the, the right. generation, because they will infuse what they want because they, that's right. I mean, the that's kingdoms right. of this world is run by somebody called the prince of the power of the air. Right. The prince of the power of the air, he has an agenda. He knows that if he can capture, if he can capture this generation before with their mindsets and whatever, he's got it. Once he's got it, he can infuse whatever he wants to in it, into it. And so, right. you know, we, we need to understand that there's more going on than that, you know. But the fact of the matter is we need every man first to grow up for goodness right. sake. Right. Put, right. On, put on your big underpants, your big boy underpants, you know, and stop acting like a, you know, yeah. a little girl. Put you like men and be strong. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, so grow up, mature, become a mature person. And that doesn't mean you can prophesy and that you can pray in church. It, it means that you are connected with God first. You grow right. up in character. You stand for what's in the Bible. You know what's in the Bible. Yeah, that's what I was talking about yesterday is like, is that um, it, it, Paul, uh, John says, um, I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. That right. You know him. It means right. you, you have a relationship with him. You know what, what the word of God says about it. You know what his values are. You know his heart, etc. We're not talking about being prophets and bishops and pastors. We're just talking about normal men connecting with God. Get off the, the TV. Get off the you know your sport. Spend time knowing what the Bible says, take time and then connect, connect, not then during Wow. Right. Why are you right. connecting here? Connect here, engage right. this generation, whether it's your kids, your grandchildren, their friends, uh, the, at the school. Why, why are the other people doing the coaching for the kids? We're too busy or, or right. too lazy. Why, why are we not coaching? The, why are we not the coaches? Why are we not involved? You know, why are we not involved in these things? Why? You know, is that because we don't engage it, we're going to lose it. And, and right. so we need to start where we are. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Um, something that I found out too, it says that God sets the members in the body as it has pleased him. Basically not to try to look for a bunch more people or be faithful in whoever's around you right now. The Lord has given us people that are around us that are already drawing or seeking a relationship or just there. Why not go ahead and start with them rather than wishing we had more? Yeah. Go ahead and be faithful in the little. Not that they're little. It's just I got to be faithful in what I have before I'm given more. Yeah. Uh, so be faithful in the one, the two, the three. Start taking them places. Start doing things with them. Start, start creating or initiating. Because that's one of the things a father does is he initiates. He creates. That's right. He helps them find a direction and a purpose. Um, basically, growing up, the kids wouldn't have gone out and found stuff to do a lot of times. I mean, they're going to, but uh, a lot of times they'd say, I'm bored. Mm. I'd say, well, then that's your fault, frankly. <laughs> and then I begin to realize, um, you know, that's, I shouldn't really be putting that on them. Let me help create something that they can do. But I didn't want to do that every time. I wanted them to, you know, get creative and figure out things to do. So they're not just expecting society or somebody else to come along and, you know, yeah, yeah, entertain them. So uh, I, I would try to help them figure out something to do yeah. um, and initiate that. But basically, the father is an initiator. That's what he does. He finds the things to do. He finds, he creates things for his kids and his wife. He, he, he's a creator, yeah. <laughs> just like our father is. And, uh, you know, I speak things into them that creates. Yeah. And that's where... That's where if I just look at how my father operates, that's who he believes I am. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to be faithful in the one, two, three, whatever it is that I have around me right now and pour my life into them. And then if I get more, that's great. If I don't, 
I'll just continue to pour my life into the ones that are around me right now until he gives me more. But I'm going to make sure that the bones that are lined up with me right now at least get the nutrients and life that they need in order to survive. I don't, I'm not looking for something else right now. Exactly. Exactly. I think we've got to forget about building a business out of our ministry and forget right. about building a ministry. Just forget that stuff and just do. You know, right. what your great gift is and, you know, am I a prophet or am I an apostle or am I a teacher? Forget that stuff. You know, I get so mad at people when they call me and say, well, I don't know if I'm an apostle or a prophet. I say, who cares? Who right. really cares? I tell you what, is like in the manifestation of your gift, in doing it, just do it. Just do what's in your heart to do. God will, will align. Man plans his way. God directs his steps. Just right. do something. Get out. Work with what's around you. Forget about building a ministry, building a name for yourself, building a business. Because that's most of the time what guys are doing. They want a lot of people because they can earn money. You know, it's just like right. forget all of that stuff and just impart. Think about Psalm 78. I, I really want to encourage everybody. Go read Psalm 78. Meditate on that. And just, well, that first portion of 78 and just how it impacts. You know, I said yesterday or well, the other day before is like, what you do in is you, what you do may be private, but it's always public. Right. It, it, it's like you, what you do may not be seen by anybody, but it affects a generation. Right. And, that's true. So, you know, is like, and, and you stepping out and working with two, three people, young people, young guys, kids, it doesn't matter. It's just like, it has an impact on the next generation. You know, right. there's a there's a young lady that that um, I've I've had interviewed her on on uh, on the podcast, but she she is in Uganda, and uh, bless her heart. I mean, you know, that's 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 a wonderful thing about America. People are so generous, you know. But they've helped to build a house there. It's cheaper, obviously, a lot cheaper there than here. So she bought a piece of ground, built a little house. But she she's a mom. She's not even a real mom to yet her biological mom. She's just a young lady gone over there and she is raising um, orphans or, or, or destitute children, a whole bunch of little ones. She changed diapers. She's got about, I don't know, six or seven kids or something living in the house there with her. And she, really? yeah, she's, and she changes diapers and feeds them and has to sit with them when they're sick and takes them to hospital and whatever else. She's got no vehicle. She's believing God for a vehicle now, but she stays in this house, Uganda, in a house on a piece of ground all by herself with these kids raising. And I said to her, I said, you know what? You are amazing because you making a difference in somebody's, in a little person's life who will grow up and say, that lady made a difference in my life. And she right. prays over them and I said, you know, that's what, to me, that's church. That's what the ministry is about. That's what the kingdom of God is about. You know, it's just like, do something with whatever God gives you to do, you know, with what right. God gives you to, but we, you know, and, and specifically we're talking today about being fathers. You know, that's what it is, is first as a leader, we need to be fathers. And as fathers, we need to be fathers to this generation. You know, what are we right. going to do? You know, you might not be John Eldridge, you know, you know, uh, or, or whoever I'm trying to think, I can't think of anybody's name, but I could think of his, <laughs> but, but you know, like these great ministries to men, right. whatever else, you know, or, or, or run loose, you know, to, to the, uh, to the, you know, to the young people and battle warriors or whatever they were called battle stations, or whatever, um, so, you know, whatever that, that is, but, but, you know, that might not be your, your portion that might, you know, is like, it might not be you. So just work with what God's given you. You know, those two right. kids, it could be your grandchildren. It could be that you need to be there for your grandchildren or your own children. Maybe it's time for some men to get off your egotistical pride and humble yourself and call your kids. Right. Call your children, call your sons, call your grandchildren that haven't connected with you in a long, long time. And you've got all this animosity and bitterness between you. And humble yourself because they need you. They need you right. at a time like this. And, and I really want to encourage you. It's like get off your big hind horse and get in there and get into the battle. And this is, this is spiritual warfare for me, Steve. I'm telling you. 
is that right. when people actually begin to get over themselves and connect with people in a real level and say, Hey, forgive me because I've been stupid, you know, um, right. you know, I've done stupid things in my life. And as a dad, I, I missed, I messed up. I mean, every dad has, every young dad has uh, messed up, but now is a good time to fix it up. You know, it's right. like we did mess it up, but we can fix it up. You know? That's true. All right. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously very passionate about this topic. So it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I struck I struck that one nerve that was dangling out there this morning, didn't I? You, did. you certainly did. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just out of Sunday it's just become like a you know, today this week is like for me a week of let's address the the manhood and specifically the fatherhood. I, I'm not so worried about the maleness. I'm I'm just thinking right. of the fa the father within men. Men carry that within their heart by DNA. But, you know, what they've done is they're more interested in, in opening their zipper than they are in opening their hearts. And, right. And that's really the problem that we have in our generation. And so we need dads. We need grandfathers. We need them. We need them. We need you. You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's just a real sensitive nerve in my life right now, in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hallelujah. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Have, have a super weekend. Oh, you too. Uh, yeah, I enjoy, enjoy your, um, your time with your kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I will. Thanks for hopping on. I appreciate it. See you. All right. We'll catch you later. Thank you. Bless you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.